It's the Pop My Culture Podcast with your hosts, Cole Stratton and Vanessa Ragland. Hey, welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Cole Stratton. And I'm Vanessa Ragland. Hey, Vanessa Great to Ragland. have you here. Oh, I was, yeah. Were you doing both of us? Yeah. Really, really good. <laughs> Thanks. You do a really good Cole impression. I've gotten that before. Right. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for coming to the show. We appreciate it. Uh, we have a great sponsor. We've actually had them for a couple we episodes do, now. We do, and they make good-looking things. Yes, bonobos.com. B-O-N-O-B-O-S. They got great com. menswear. And John's wearing a pair literally right now, husband, sound guy, and he looks stunning. Yep. <laughs> and for new customers, if you enter Pop My Culture as a code, you'll get 20% off your first order. That's right. So check it out. They got an amazing, uh, what's the word I'm looking Oeuvre. for? Oeuvre. Oeuvre <laughs> of clothing. Lots of, uh, pants, shirts, And everything shoes, looks really wear. good on Cole. He's yeah. gotten something. I have gotten some good stuff from them, but more on that later. Yeah. Also, uh, we're usually listener supported yep. for the most part. So uh, if you go to our website, popmyculturepodcast.com, there's a donate button there. And we appreciate every little bit. And we love to give you shout outs on the podcast. Yep. Which uh, next episode, we're going to do a big chunk. A roundup. Of, a roundup Yeehaw! of donators. So uh, if you've given recently, you haven't heard uh, your name yet, you will it's on the coming. next episode. I promise you that. <laughs> uh, also, uh, if you're in the Los Angeles area, we're really excited. We can officially announce that we are doing a live Pop My Culture podcast as part of the Riot LA comedy festival it's It's so exciting brand new comedy fest uh great lineup really cool stuff our show will be on sunday september 23rd at five o'clock p.m at the five stars bar downtown tickets are available on riotla.com they're only five bucks it's gonna be so much fun we'll drink and have a great time and we've got great show lined up for you guys including rob paulson yeah uh, the idea the theme for the the show show is legends of voice acting so rob paulson is uh helping us round up some amazing folks to be on it's unbelievable uh we can't announce them quite yet because they're not confirmed yet but if you like shows like i don't know futurama i'm into it rugrats yeah animaniacs yeah things like that you uh you might want to come to this thing because there's gonna be some really cool people on this panel and a big bar (laughs) <laughs> yep, and a big bar. So uh, we'll announce the uh, official people as soon as we get confirmation yep. on the rest. But it's it's, it's gonna shaping be really, up really to special. be really cool. So come check that out. Go to riotla.com, R-I-O-T-L-A.com for tickets C-O-N. and information. Just click on the schedule page. <laughs> you'll uh, you'll find you us there find us Sunday. on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Also, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah, we love that. And we also love getting emails. So if you have time to just write a quick review, it's always great and it helps us get featured. And if you want to reach out to us directly, you can write to info at popmyculturepodcast.com and we do get back to you. So we'd yep. love to hear guest ideas or complaints or praise. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of guests, we have a really cool guy here today who's uh, well, he's kind of a legend in the podcasting world. He is. He and really is. He really is. And uh, he actually will be giving us some uh, cool swag to give Boom. away. So if you uh, if you answer our first question, which comes up later in the podcast on our website in the comments my culture podcast. Episode, com. Yeah, you have a chance to win that stuff. So awesome. Let's uh, let's get to him, shall we? He is so cute. Our guest today, you know him from such amazing podcasts and radio shows as JJ Go, Bullseye, uh, formerly known as the Sound of Young America. America's radio sweetheart, Jesse hey. Thorne, is here. Thank you for having me, guys. Sweetie. Thanks for being Thanks on the show, coming. Jesse. It's fun. He looks great. 
for all of our listeners at home. Oh, thank you. So freaking dapper. He's definitely dapper. the most dapper gentleman we've had on the program. Yeah. And oh, well, no. Okay. We've had James Urbaniak and Paul Tompkins, yeah. too. So I guess. You guys could be a trio. You could be a singing trio. We could fight it out. Oh, How about yeah. that? Who would win? Bare Knuckles. Have you heard of this Bare thing knuckles, called... Cuffs. Oh, gosh. A Battle Royale? I have. I read his book. You know about Battle Royale. Yeah. I read this great R.J. Smith uh, biography of James Brown, and apparently when he was growing up in Augusta, um, he would participate in this style of boxing where this is the most horrible thing you, I can possibly imagine, where basically at a country club, obviously a white country club, oh, no. they would bring in oh, no. like 15 or 20 teenage black kids. They would pay them to be blindfolded, to have a blindfolded boxing match, last man standing. Oh, my God. It was called a battle royale. Oh, no. And James Brown is how he, he did this, and they would throw money at them also. They would throw uh, change at them while they were fighting. I mean, when we did wow. that at my country club, we didn't just use one race. Right, you know? exactly. It was like you don't even, They the don't even see race at your country yeah. club. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once you blindfold that. them, it doesn't matter. I mean, That's it was, the interesting part. There was like four Malay guys. <laughs> oh, man. Plus, there's a, there a three-legged race. Yeah. Um, all sorts of different things. Potato sure. sack. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at all of them, you throw change at them. Right. <laughs> go, go. Oh, that's horrible. It's a p- that's really terrible. tough for the for the egg egg race. Uh, yeah. <laughs> really adds a curveball in there. It really does. Oh, uh, the well, eggs are hard boiled. No, they're not. What's in the an egg race? They, the whole point is that they're not. Yeah, because they yes. fall and break, right? Oh, but if you wanted to trick someone, you could. I yeah. bet nobody's ever done that before. Yeah. <laughs> I think that might have been an episode of the Brady Bunch. Somebody's actually. plotting the night before. <laughs> <laughs> you expected it to break, but instead, it didn't break. Am I <laughs> not disqualified? <laughs> no, you, you still dropped the egg. Oh. No. <laughs> a grandma is screaming in the stands. <laughs> in the pool. The purity of the game is gone. Bring the black boys back. <laughs> wow, really? Okay, so grandma's a racist. Yeah. Oh, that's true. There you go. We were at the country club. Um, this is really important. This needs to be talked okay. about. Okay. Prince Harry <sighs> is going crazy in Vegas. He's been there for a couple days now. Uh, first, he started by uh, challenging <laughs> Olympic swimming great Ryan Lochte. To a race in the pool at 3 a.m. at the win, <laughs> which he Ryan Lochte won. Lochte won that. Was a big surprise. Go figure. Then he was naked playing pool, holding his little weenie in, and there's pictures of it. Strip pool. He was playing with some women there. And he lost. And TMZ has the photos. Everyone else out. won. So it's a big scandal happening now. There's talk that they, he'll get uh, fined by the British government for behavior not fitting a royal. Oh, it's exactly Wait, behavior. Yeah, something like they that. They dole out fines? I guess so, yeah. Like James Brown and his band? <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you're, on the, if you're on the Yankees and you get caught with a mustache. Yeah, same deal. We have to talk to you about something. I think it's fine. Go for it, Prince Harry. It I, is exactly what royal people do. I read a New York phones. Times article about this that was a real news article for about three quarters. You know how the, <laughs> you know the inverted pyramid in news writing, you're supposed to put the most important things up top? Right. And it gets down, and then the last two paragraphs were like man-on-the-street interviews with random Britons, and both of them were like... Yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Signed the New York Times. <laughs> Big news for everyone. Well, there's that whole, like, you know, the image of a stuffy royal is not like 
the you know normal citizens are like i don't i don't feel any any akin to them at all right but then when you know this guy's out partying and stuff at least there's that so I'm like yeah he's a dude well what right. does he have to lose he can't be the king he could he be could unless be things third go in line. awry yeah. two times somebody hasn't seen the king's speech <laughs> right there could be a surprise oh no but that would be an even bigger surprise like if two things go wrong he's gonna go wrong too I'm just disappointed in Vegas because it was all supposed to stay there. Oh, yeah. This is terrible. We should never have heard about this. Vegas is really slipping. (laughs) Vegas, come on. You, you Gabby bitch. What? (laughs) You know, Gabby, like you just. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. I'm not talking about Gabby, the amazing Olympian. Ah, Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. Yes. (laughs) I can really get nothing. Yabba, dabba, do. You guys, never mind. Next. You may just be making noises. <laughs> no, yes. That's very possible. All right, well, here's something even scarier. No. Prince Harry's behavior. Oh. Uh, a big surprise uh, wedding announcement of it, what came out, the engagement. A between, joining of two dynasties. Dynasties. Uh, Avril Lavigne and Chad Kroger from Nickelback are. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Engaged to be married. They've been dating secretly for six months. He is her everything. He gives her everything she's ever needed, including a big ass diamond. Did you see the ring? No, I didn't. I could not believe it. When I read this, it was just like everything you don't want to believe about those people comes true in one moment when you find out they love each other. Can I just say that when you said that he gave her a big ass I I was like, whoa, we're going to go there. We go everywhere on this show. I don't know. It's like it's. (laughs) <laughs> the one he, she, first she she was married to the guy from some 41 yeah was she yeah yeah for i didn't even know i just assumed that she had packed it in and moved to montana or something no, she's just working her way FD. through all the shitty annoying bands <laughs> does she Who's make next? records still i don't know i she, she models she has time some, for that. i mean she's she's very busy being a housewife i'm sure she's got her relationships with members of pod and hoobastank to worry about oh that is <laughs> next hoobastank is next for sure <laughs> whoever that is i didn't even understand that nickelback had a, a singer <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were just a bunch of people as a group making these bad decisions, but there's a leader. He leads them to these decisions. Hey, he's the front man. Oh, the front man. So maybe somebody behind the stage just pulling the strings. <laughs> I'm a little loopy today. <laughs> I guess so. Well, I want to talk about something else. Can I? Sure. Have you ever watched the channel, the Learning Channel, TLC? Uh, no, I, I don't actually oh. don't have cable. Oh, wow. Yeah. Brave man. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, it is. That's a story yeah, in itself. It's very brave. <laughs> That's the adjective that I would use. Spiritually not, brave. Yeah. Not like chintzy, for no, example. No, not frugal. <laughs> not frugal, but brave. Very brave. You're missing out on so many shows. I don't know Finally, someone's standing now. up to the cable industrial complex. <laughs> Mr. Right. Jesse Thorne, put his foot down, mister. A few more words about our really cool sponsor, Bonobos.com. B-O-N-O-B-O-S. I love to spell it. <laughs> it's fun, right? <laughs> What's really cool is we have a sponsor who has stuff that we genuinely love. We actually love. really love. Uh, I actually have gotten quite a bit of their clothing now, and you I love it. Good on it. The first thing I got was this uh, shirt. I believe it's called Bay of Biscay. I believe, he says offhand. <laughs> I believe, because I know. Yeah. The, the Lake Bell episode we did, uh, I'm wearing that shirt in the picture of the three of us so you're gonna have to make yourself direct your attention over the there. shirt is doing its best <laughs> to uh, compete to compete with, with lake bell and vanessa's gorgeousness on display <laughs> well, in that photo 
mean? That's it's crazy. <laughs> uh, you would not believe some of the emails I got from people. It's a lot of gorgeous in that photo. Also, uh, their pants are great. They yep. fit really, really well, which is really Their whole cool. thing, yeah. Yep. Uh, and they all have kind of whimsical names, too. I just got a pair called Gargamel's Revenge, which <laughs> are like it. Smurf Blue, but in a nice way. So I look Smurfy in them, Cute. I must say. And it's free shipping both ways and easy returns and a 365-day return policy. So you never have to leave your house. What about those leap year years? 366? You're going to have to call headquarters okay. for that. <laughs> uh, they do have a lot of a lot of pants styles on there. Yep. They have some really cool wash chinos and some jeans and really good denim and stuff. So yeah. check all of those out, shall get we? Get yourself a new lover with your ass. That's right. And if you uh, if you type in Pop My Culture and you're a first-time customer, you get 20% off. Whoa, so go to bonobos.com. Yep. Let's, uh, let's get back to Jesse, shall we? Let's. I'm familiar with TLC. They used to be an educational channel, and, and then the they became an all sort of freak show, all sort of mid '90s Fox style reality show channel, right? Pretty much, very Except sensational. For, yeah, ridiculous. I think they've. I mean, I think you're underselling. Wow. <laughs> right. I don't think it's so dated. Um, they're having Brittany and Abby coming up, which is a show about conjoined twins that are turning 21, and. Uh, out in the big city. Really excited for that program. But they just started Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. And actually, this is my big disappointment because I have watched a lot of their programming. Everything about a person that weighs over 600 pounds or a brain in the wrong place, like anything like that, I'm very into. But Honey Boo Boo was on the show Toddlers and Tears. And she... Her name's Alana, yeah, right? But everyone calls her. And Honey her, Boo Boo Child. Her, uh, what are those t-shirts called? The spray-painted t-shirts? Airbrush t-shirt says Honey Boo Boo that she wears all the time. Right. Um, so she goes by it. But they gave her her own spinoff. And she's a five-year-old with a redneck family and a coupon queen mom. And a punk, since sister named Pumpkin who's pregnant. Does it have sound effects added to it? Because I've it's been watching. that. I watch a fair amount of the show called American Pickers, oh, which yeah. is not lowbrow in almost any way. Yeah. It's not a brilliant, uh, right. you know, mind-changing television show, but it's just a perfect. It's it's not that tricky, right. a little bit, but not that much, not that déclassé, except for just. Every ten minutes or so, there's like a boy oh, oing. Like, how did a boy oing get in here? <laughs> Is this the morning zoo now? Yeah, there's no, no. fart sounds, but there's like chichings. There's oh, a fair yeah. number of chichings, but seriously, boy oings. There are literally boy oings in this show. And I think, like, do they think this is a madcap cartoon-style comedy? <laughs> like, They're just like some cousin really needed the job. He's like, dude, let me add some foley to this. Let me ask you, like, do, do any characters have, like, steam coming out of their ears? <laughs> yeah. Do their like, tongues unroll like staircases? The no, there's really none of these other elements that you would... <laughs> like, just at some point, someone must have decided that all successful shows of this type have boyoyoings. And they... It's sort of like, you know how the... Those, there's there's famous comedy club owners who like time out acts and count laughs and say you have yeah. to have a laugh every 15 seconds. Right. Yeah. Like I think there's just a guy at the Discovery Channel or, or whatever History Channel I think this is on With who the just stopwatch? yeah just going no boy oings no boy pull it from the schedule yeah well, I think it would be fun to take he says really, schedule because he's so classy yeah he's very classy I think it'd be fun to take some really serious heavy dramas and like add some boy oings <laughs> periodically oh, yeah. like, like a in, Downton Abbey yeah in the middle of Downton Abbey that like the great. Dowager Countess Whoa. finds out she lost the flower contest <laughs> <laughs> boy <laughs> 
That would make it better, right? Laugh <laughs> 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 would be pretty great. Do that for no, just a little bit. Uh, it, it, I don't think I'll ever walk again. I would think I would think it would benefit from yeah, like a classic morning radio style sound yeah. effects guy. Like every time the Dowager Countess burned somebody, they'd play a clip that went, <laughs> "Oh, burn!" <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> Or like the second Matthew sees like his love come down the stairs, you hear a swing, swing, perfect. Are you a Downton Abbey fan? I, you know what? I really loved season one, and then season two went totally ape shit. Soap opera. It just went totally crazy, and I watched it. Yeah. I mean, I would. I still kiss Mr. Bates with tongue, probably. <laughs> Who would it? But would I be intimate with him in other ways that I might have after season one? Maybe not. Oh. You know? Oh. No yes. more What else can talk? happen to Mr. Bates? Season three is just, they got to go even <laughs> yeah. further to this guy. Poor Mr. Bates. I hope they pull it back. Oh. <laughs> Leave Bates alone. Well, Mr. Bates in season three just has to struggle with the fact that throughout the season his hair is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah, still burning, still burning. Pat it, pat it. Your hair's on fire, Mr. Bates. I know, but it, it wouldn't be proper to do anything about it. now. I can't touch it. Trust me, I want to put it out. I want to. I just More can't do anything, it. but my honor binds me. West it, sir. <laughs> I'm excited for that to come back. Oh, you guys don't watch True Blood, do you? Nobody here? No. We're heterosexual men. <laughs> There's something for everyone. Let me tell you, man. <laughs> but it is mostly not your stuff. Oh, well, someone else. I'll talk about that too late. <laughs> you guys hear about LL Cool J? How cool he is? Ladies love Cool James. Just just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, he, uh, there was a, an intruder in his home. I guess a homeless man or something came in, and he heard a commotion downstairs, and he went down and like kind of kicked the crap out of him while he waited for the cops to arrive. Wow. Yeah, broke his jaw. I guess he oh. broke his jaw and his nose or something. You're allowed to, though, aren't you, if somebody is it's in your house? It's a home invasion. I've yeah, heard, I had heard in the past that LL Cool J was hard as any battle anybody. He didn't care who. Really? You've heard that? I'd heard that. He battles but people? It turns out to be literally the, it did. the facts. Well, he'll at least battle a homeless man that's in his kitchen. <laughs> it could have been one of those like, intense, wiry, strong type yeah, homeless Yeah, it dudes. could. You know it probably kind of is if you're intruding <laughs> into a mansion. You can have some wits about you. It's physical told, strength you've got to intrude. You've got to be able to open that door mm-hmm. with one steady hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what the whole Miami zombie guy thing maybe he's worried his face Ugh. is gonna get eaten yeah so I, kapow it could be i oh knock wood i don't ever want it to happen but it would be sort of exciting to realize that you <laughs> have an intruder and like anything goes like no no <laughs> justice can be brought against you in this moment you can try all your cool moves <laughs> isn't that like the thought at the heart of the trayvon martin case? oh no <laughs> Is that what you're suggesting? Wait, do I have a do I have an intruder? Oh good, let me check out my Rube Goldberg saw device to see if Are you suggesting like a devil in the white city type situation? A a home abattoir in case of intruders? Uh, I actually just I I discussed on Jordan Jesse Go, I was talking about how much I loved watching the movie Paris is Burning. Yeah. Um and Paris is Burning is this documentary about uh, drag queens in New York in the late eighties and their ball scene. It's totally amazing. It's just so great, like super inspirational. 
And it's also super sad because, well, I won't tell you why, but it's super sad. Mm -hmm. But I talked about how much I loved it. Someone on our message boards linked to this article from New York Magazine from 1994 about how one of the queens from Paris's Burning died in 1994, 15 or so years after the movie. And when they went, when her friends went to divvy up her wardrobe, they found this one suitcase that was too heavy to move. Oh, no. And so they opened it up, and there was a mummified body inside. Oh, my God. It was mummified oh, in no. Naugahyde. <gasps> what? Yes. And it had been in there. Naugahyde? It had apparently been there for since the 70s because they found pull-top can tops oh, in there, which hadn't, haven't been used since, like, 1980 or something like that. A full-size human body? Yes. Yes. Whoa. Trust no one. Yeah. Trust no one. Not even the sweetest, kindest seeming. Ball gown toting anyone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I don't really see what the big deal is. But I have a suitcase in mine. I just want to make <laughs> sure that someone touch it. Don't touch it. it. <laughs> one request. That's, that's all right. Oh, did you? F- I want to know more. Did they well, know who it was? They, so they think that this guy was a boyfriend of the woman and or the lady. Right. Um, and... Basically, I mean, the the guess is that he, I mean, you know, when you're a drag queen prostitute, which is how most of yeah. them in the film supported themselves, you have, you know, you get in shady situations right. and they think, I mean, the best guess is they can't know because she's dead and he's dead. Right. But the best guess is that he, you know, tried to assault her or something like that. And she, she shot him. out the Nagahan. She shot him and mummified him. <laughs> Mummifying him is the most impressive part of this tale because that's no easy task. He was task. a home invader. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> she had some <laughs> skills. She was She'd like, been uh, chomping been at the I've bits. I've been wanting <laughs> to make a mummy. I have been doing push-ups Finally. for so I long. I have 17 yards <laughs> of right now, Cool Jay said to himself. He's like, oh, finally I can use these push-ups for something. <laughs> Wait, I want to know. He used to fight people? LL Cool J? Yeah. No, he used to battle people on wax. Oh. With rap I songs. He was I a rapper. He meant battling. No. Physically battling. No, rap battling was, was cool mode D. I get it. I was excited to learn about his street fighting country club days. No, you're <laughs> thinking of his you're thinking of his character from the film Deep Blue Sea. Oh yeah. <laughs> or his character from the that. film The Hard Way. <laughs> mm, frog dogs, yummy. Anyways. Um, yeah, it's quoted the hard way. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh you guys. Yeah. You guys. Uh-huh. I saw No. The Expendables 2. Huh? <laughs> Was it, it action it is, packed? It Would is, you characterize it as so action packed? It is action packed in between the long stretches of nothing happening. But Did you like a, it worse than Expendables One? I I love Expendables One. I was yeah, I, know. I was crazy excited for Expendables Two, and uh, I don't think I wasn't let down, but it did didn't quite meet my expectations. It's kind of, it was good, but not amazing. Yeah, um, it's kind of what my expectations. Well, I mean, it, there's a there's a lot more Expendables in this movie. Yeah, they there are. a lot of bonus Expendables. Um, Who's the best one? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, they're Expendables. They're Expendables. Right? <laughs> That's true. Well, they should be glad for any work. Chuck Norris is good times fun, but he's only in it for like five minutes. Like oh, he's yeah. brilliant, and he basically does a Chuck Norris joke and then leaves. Uh, That's a good day's work. So, I mean, like, like Schwarzenegger's in the very beginning and then the very end. Like, there's a lot. 
the times like Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis and all of them are on screen, it really kind of pops. It really, yeah. really works. And it's a lot of fun. And the big action sequences are pretty crazy and over the top. But there's just, it gets itself a little too serious in between mm. stuff, trying to justify like, you know, like the backstories of some of these characters and give them more to do where I don't think it necessarily needed it. Yeah. Just be what you are. I'll tell you this. Uh, my co-host on Jordan Jesse Go, Jordan Morris, used mm-hmm. to have a job that sent him to film junkets all the time. Um, and he went to the junket for The Expendables. This is t- two weeks before The Expendables came out. And uh, uh, Stallone was there, I mean, uh, for yeah. obvious reasons. And Jordan, like, this is the highlight of the seven years or whatever that Jordan had this job. Um, he overheard Stallone talking to a film executive about the possibility of doing Expendables 2. <gasps> and his his suggestion, what he said... You know, we could take these guys anywhere. You know, we could take these guys under the sea. Oh. We could take them to the moon. They could go to hell and fight the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Please. And I, so all I can, and I remember Jordan telling me that at the time. And so the simple fact that I read enough of a review of Expendables 2 to learn that they don't go to hell and fight the devil <laughs> qualifies no. it as a disappointment. Buzzkill. Like, what's even the point of going to see it if they don't go to hell and fight the devil? They what do executive? go fight Jean-Claude Van Damme. Whoa. Who's the bad guy? Yeah. His bad guy is named Villan, or Villain, minus one. Oh. <laughs> Which I think is pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, I don't know. It had a lot of cool parts in it yeah. and a lot of good people. And, but, and it's, it's doing decently at the box office. Like it was, I think, slightly below expectations, but kind of near it. So they'll probably do a third because I'm sure it'll do great overseas. And oh, stuff. man. And then they'll add a couple other pieces. Because when we were at Comic-Con, like someone had asked Jackie Chan about the Expendables or whatever. And he had said something akin to like he was asked to do it, but he was too busy doing his last like big full-on Jackie Chan movie, The 12 Chinese Zodiac or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I, I have a feeling that when Expendables 3 happens, that he'll probably be part of the mix, which would be cool. I love that man. But outside of that, like I'm not really sure who else they can bring in here, like Jeff Speakman or <laughs> some of the other – I don't know Mark who that DeCocos, is. Some of these other like 90s action-y star guys that were They're just going to bring thing. in like Walter Payton or something, okay? <laughs> They're just going to start bringing in just other famous people from the 80s. Like, hey. are, they fa- are they famous in the 80s? Are they large? <laughs> Punky Bruce, or not you almost made the cut. You know, Stallone, Statham, Lee, Doug Henning. Like, <laughs> other things like that. Celebrity chef Paul Prudhomme. <laughs> there you go. I'd still watch. No, I'd I would watch, watch more. Polly Shore. Cajon. Gede Watanabe. From sixteen candles as Long Duck Dong. You're good. This is a game of cold because really good. No random things. I'm not as good at it, but I'm appreciative of everyone. I'm really sad about one thing: is that the Kristen Stewart hate is still happening. I don't have any particular feelings about the whole situation except for the T-shirt thing I saw. That makes me really sad. People are making super mean T-shirts. Well, there about was a her. company called Screened that made a, a series of T-shirts that are selling rather well. They say the following: Kristen Stewart is a trampire. That's probably the nicest one. And that's stolen from Will Ferrell. Yes. There's also fuck Kristen Stewart and Kristen Stewart fucking sucks. <laughs> 
they were pretty eloquent. <laughs> they get to the point. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, though, you got to hand it to the creative people that came up with those great <laughs> the, ideas. The guys that screened really pushed it to the limits. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, you know, there's satire and parody rights. And I think <laughs> if you have insightful commentary like that, you should be able to do it. You know, this Welcome is America. Welcome to America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like South Park, you know? <laughs> it's really insightful stuff. They were probably sitting around. I wish I had been in that room. Like, yeah, trying to come um, up with good puns. It's like, but what? What are we saying? So much what scratch are we saying paper. At the base yeah. of this. Well, Kristen Stewart fucking sucks. Boom. Whoa, done. there it Put is. Put on a shirt. There we it got is. It. They cross out. Screw Kristen Stewart. <laughs> right. They're like, yes, we've got it. <laughs> Kristen Booert. No, no, no. <laughs> it's too witty. Send it to print. Ah. And then people buy them. I'm disappointed in someone that I had unreasonably high expectations for. <laughs> I think I know more about this situation than you do, comma, Kristen Stewart. Well, my question is, where are the, like, fuck you, Rupert Sanders, where are those shirts? Amen. <laughs> I mean, no, I just go on philandering, you freaking man. Men are studs, women are sluts. Yeah. I think I yes. learned that. If I remember correctly, I learned where that. Where did you learn in that? In high school sex ed oh. class. Oh, yeah. Am I, if I, am I remembering that? I, I think, was, I I think get, I'm I was getting in your class. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, men are studs, women, women are sluts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I am making a series of shirts that say, like, Robert Pattinson is a fucking angel and I will support him to the end of time. <laughs> and, like, someone's got to take advantage of yeah, that, yeah. you know, and put those out there. That, what about just Pattinson? Exclamation mark. Oh, that's, that's fun, good. Right? Yeah, it's happy. It's yeah. upbeat. <laughs> it's got a sort of up with people vibe. <laughs> or just our pets. Yeah. Oh, now. yeah. Or just a smiley face and then a small little caption underneath that says, in, in honor of Robert Pattinson. <laughs> My support, our candle, maybe. That sort of <laughs> You're starting to sound like a memorial. Are you also planning on murdering candle Robert Pattinson? We are going to have Robert a candlelight vigil for Robert Pattinson tomorrow night. And he wasn't invited. All I can say is anything goes. I mean, okay. Hot topic. Could you rape an intruder? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. 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 Slow down, Ace. I'm just talking. You're not running for Senate here. <laughs> I'm just talking legally speaking. Is that okay, too? Have you been working on this, like redrafting it in your mind for the past 15 I, I minutes? I think you're basically allowed to defend yourself. Or protect your property. With but your private parts. <laughs> like, he broke into my house, so I cleared out his bank account. <laughs> what can Maybe. I say? I married the man's wife. <laughs> <laughs> you rape an intruder. Good God. Anything just, goes. Just anything goes. <laughs> That's my understanding of the law. I'm ready for it to be cleared up. But yeah, credit card fraud, anything you want for the time they're in your house. You've got to keep them there. That's you the hear, tricky part. You hear someone you hear someone open open the window and in your head it's just da 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 Then you go for your rape equipment. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm the winner now. <laughs> Nobody makes me the victim. <laughs> wow. Uh, Cole, Cole Porter actually wrote the song Anything Goes after someone broke into his home and he stabbed him 47 times. Right. his skin his like, little hat. You never break into my... Ooh, I have an idea for a song. Stab, stab, anything goes. I can almost hear people turning off the podcast right now no come mm-hmm. back guys i'm really sorry mm-hmm. i didn't filter 
but was the problem. <laughs> I wouldn't have ever written that down. That's the kind of thing you really want to wrap up in Naga Hide and keep in your closet, <laughs> Vanessa. That's right. Just put it on the thing. When my friends come Vanessa to go through my dresses. Vanessa passed away. We found an episode of PMC Podcast. Put away in a trunk. You know, the first sad thing that struck me about that story about the suitcase was that when you said like her, she died and her friends came over to go through her dresses, I was like, if I die, I don't have nice enough dresses for anyone to come over. <laughs> no one will come over to my house. Except <laughs> intruders. Yeah, intruders. And you won't be there to destroy them. I've got pretty nice clothes, but you I'm do. worried that if I die, nobody I know will want to wear them. I don't think anyone in my day-to-day life besides me knows how to tie a necktie, for example. You're good at that. You I know a just, lot about clothes. I uh, learned how to tie a bow tie. Ooh, congrats. I'm working on it because it's a process. Uh-huh. <laughs> I get it tied. Cole I don't, I don't get it blisters tied on his fingers amazingly right well yet. Like, uh-huh. it's the knot's really sloppy and it's hard for me to get it to but it's good because you've got you've got your SNL audition coming up, mm-hmm. and you're going to do George F. Will. Right? <laughs> you've got to be ready. Syndicated columnist. I, I'm, George F. I'm Will. doing this like like mock radio improv show. This was take place in the 30s, so I'm wearing a bow tie for that. And like, it was one of the most frustrating processes to try to figure it out because every tutorial online is like it's a mirror image or it isn't or like it's it's like the first part's easy, and then all of a sudden they just kind of go and we're done. Sometimes you do there. People will claim, you know, I mean, I read all these menswear blogs. I'm a menswear blogger and i sometimes people will claim that it's easy and it's not easy i think most <laughs> people just forgot that it's hard at the beginning yeah because it took me i'm reasonably you know i've got decent coordination and good dexterity. you know i'm dexterous yeah and um, by which I mean I do a lot of murdering and cute. <laughs> me too. Me too. I, uh, I, I'm like, I'm pretty good at that kind of thing. And it took me quite a while to get to be able to do that without, you know, warping my head on it. Ooh. It's tough. And I hope that I, it takes a while to you do can it. You can do it. I'm you know starting what? to get better I at it. I believe in you, Me Cole. too. Thanks, guys. I'm not very good at tying You've shoes. got a dream. And I think you can achieve it. Wow. I got to aim small, you know? Mm-hmm. This one's for Robert Pattison. <laughs> yeah, the whole time I'm doing that, I'm going, our pets. Our, our pets. pets. This our is pets. for you, oh, Robert. It's tight. It's tight. <laughs> Must be a Twilight miracle. What got you into fancy clothes? I've always, had, nice I've clothes. always had an interest in, in nice slash fancy yeah. clothes. But I haven't always dressed primarily in fancy clothes. I mean, Cole's known me since before I mostly dressed yeah, in Yeah, you guys have known each other forever. For a long time. I, th- I was sort of aware that it would be ridiculous for a 21 or 23-year-old to wear a necktie around for no reason. But when I started doing The Sound of Young America, now bullseye out of my house, yeah. and I had guests coming over, um, I thought that... It was a nice op, both because I was sort of setting the agenda because right. I was the boss, but also it was a nice way to like communicate to guests that I wasn't I going to it. view them as an intruder. If right. you follow what I'm saying, I'm wearing um, my um, vinyl apron today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just thought it was a nice way to show that like I was serious about yeah. what was going to happen, and it was a nice excuse for me to get to dress the way that I'd always aspired to. So that was like 26 or yeah. something like that. I figured I'm a grown up now. I can I can dress like this without it bothering people. It doesn't bother at all. So for the sound of young America, like when you started that up, how old were you when it officially started? 19, I think maybe 20, 19. So pretty right? old. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most, like, I think the Wrestling Boss show, he was, like, 13 or 14. Yeah. Right. Usually it's, like, Olympic gymnast. <laughs> right. Once you get to a certain size, you just can't you do can't the tuck and roll. Get it. Yeah. I'm impressed that you came into the game so late, and yeah. you've still been pretty successful. You still yeah. managed. You probably got another year left. Yeah. Right. Before you blow your Where did you voice? start it originally? What was it for? Where did it air first? It was on our college radio station at UC Santa Cruz, KZSC. Um, it was me and Jordan, who does Jordan Jesse Go With Me, and our friend Gene O'Neill, who's now a, a screenwriter. And basically, I had a, what happened is I had always assumed that making any kind of media was too complicated for me to manage. Mm. And I had this sort of picture. I remember listening my freshman year in college, listening to the college radio station and thinking, like, is there, like, engineers there? Or, they, you know, like, what happens? And I went past a sign that said you could take a tour of the college radio station. I went and looked at what they do. And I mean, as you guys know, basically making audio recordings is you just... So hard. It's so hard. You push the slider up, makes it louder, and you push it down, makes it quieter. And I was like, oh, that's all it is? And so I just thought I would I would give it a try. I actually started using this portable tape recorder that my mom had that was if you imagine the size of a CD player that you put in like a home entertainment mm-hmm. system, that's how big it was. Whoa. It had a shoulder strap. <laughs> it was from, you know, 1978 or something like that. And um I remember going around and and like interviewing people on campus and then learning to edit it on my computer. This was also the sort of the dawn of being able to edit something on your computer. And I thought, oh, this is actually not that complicated. Like, I I could actually probably manage this. And so I just asked Jordan and Gene were the most entertaining people I knew. So I asked them to do it. And, uh, yeah, we started the show. It was, it's now almost all, it's sort of a culture recommendation show that's built around interviews now. Mm -hmm. But back then it was... Anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> you know Welcome I mean? to my house. Well, that's kind of the freedom of college radio, yeah. too, back then. Is like, yeah. you know, it was meant to be experimental and to fill time. And, you know, there wasn't... Yeah, it's pressure. funny. Like, college radio is a funny thing because you have... There is sort of two classes of people. One is this class of people who are really trying to make a good thing. And the other class of people are people who react to that freedom. And they're just like, oh... I could put anything I want. Right, right. And so they just like, they'll like talk to their friends over the air. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And we had, uh, our station was, if I remember correctly, a 20,000 watt station. It was a real, it was covered the whole Monterey Bay area, which is, you know, a couple million people. And um, so we really did have people listening. Yeah. I mean, they were usually, especially when we had the morning show, it was usually people who were still high from the night before. <laughs> but, you know, there was actual people listening. And so we, I'm like terrified by the idea of embarrassing myself right. in front of people. So I, we immediately worked really hard to try and make it a real thing. Um, that probably distinguished you guys so quickly. Yes, being like exactly. a real thing. Yeah, yeah, it did. And we, I mean, we we used to do. I mean, we would do comedy bits. We would do Colin stuff, and we would do interviews. Mm-hmm. And I think that we started doing more. And we started doing an interview every show when we realized that you know we had an hour long show, which was the shortest slot that we could get on the station, and. We realized that if you actually try and write enough material to fill an hour, like you, it would take you more than a week to do that. So whereas an interview, once we realized that we could book interviews, we were like, oh, this is, this is an easy way to fill 35 minutes of our hour-long show, and then we only have to write 20 minutes worth of jokes. 
And I remember the first the first guest we booked was or one of the first guests we booked anyway was Dick Dale, the king of the surf guitar. Oh, nice. Yeah. Whoa. And wow, wow. Jordan booked him. Um and what he did was he went to like dickdale.com and it's like two thousand or something like that. And there was a phone number, there was a contact phone number there that I think Jordan figured would be his management office or something like that. It turns out to just be the phone number of Dick Dale's trailer in the desert. <gasps> and so he called up this number and said, you know, we're interested in booking Dick Dale for an interview. And he says, oh, this is Dick Dale. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. Oh, my gosh. Awesome. But we started doing a lot of comedy stuff back then because, I mean, I think that, you know, of all the people that we admired, comedians were the most accessible to college mm-hmm. radio because they're just used to doing a lot of interviews because right. especially stand-ups. And for it. Yeah, yeah. They, co- they come into town and they're expected to do four or five radio interviews for each weekend of shows that they're right. doing. And so, you know, the, in the very beginning of our show, we had, I remember we were huge fans of the Upright Citizens Brigade TV mm-hmm. show, which had just come on. And, you know, Matt Besser came on our show and Louis C.K. came on our show and Todd Barry came on our show. All, all these comedians that, you know, at the time, I guess, were more cult heroes right. and some of them are more mainstream heroes now. But, well, it was before the huge podcasting boom, too. So you weren't oh, yeah. hearing them everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Really cool. yeah. 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 You had to like catch people when they're on the air or right. you didn't catch them. Yeah. And then we started podcasting the show or I guess by that time it was me. I started podcasting the show at the end of 2004. Mm-hmm. So it was, I mean, the podcast landscape was like, I actually just heard Keith and the girl podcast pioneers, Keith and the girl on Jimmy Pardo's show. And they mentioned that they were inspired to podcast by the fact that they'd listened to the most popular comedy or chat podcast at the time, Don and Drew, and thought, this is horrible. We could do better than this. <laughs> and like, that's pretty much where we were at. Like, it was ham radio scene yeah. in, at the end of 2004. And, you know, which is how Adam Curry from MTV's Headbangers Ball became the <laughs> king of podcasting in 2004. And it wasn't a large kingdom. Local computer-themed radio host Leo Laporte, you know? So, yeah, we started, I, we, I mean, I started podcasting the show basically because I thought, well, I'm recording it. Right. You know, it takes a couple hours. Like, I had sort of had to figure out what a podcast was, yeah. but it took a couple hours and put it out. And that was actually what led to national radio distribution for the show. So amazing. And inspiring. It really is. It's one of those things that every little step along the way is kind of like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. And then it gets bigger and bigger because you're actually doing a good job. Yeah. And it's funny because because of the length of time that it happened, that each thing would happen. And then there would be two years of me thinking like, (laughs) oh, God, this is a failure. This whole thing is a failure. Um, And, you know, like we were having this success. At, At one point, Public Radio International called me. Uh, so the one of the content guys at Public Radio International called me, and he had heard heard my show on iTunes. And at that point, I had just moved from the college radio station in Santa Cruz to the local public radio station in Santa Cruz. And he called me and said, hey, you know, I heard your show on iTunes. I was wondering if PRI was interested in distributing your show, would you be interested in having us distribute it? And I was like, holy what? crap. You know, I was 24 or 25. And... I was, this is the most amazing thing. This is all my dreams coming true. I was like, yes, absolutely. And then he didn't call me back again for like nine months. Oh, no. Oh, and I God. was sure that he'd like run it by somebody and they'd been like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and then, or, you know, what, even when I got distribution and I was right from the beginning, I was on a couple of really great stations, WNYC, WHYY. And I thought that, like, if you got national radio distribution, there must be some way that that would pay for the production of a radio show. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, how are these shows being paid for? And I remember that, like, my first year, like, my revenue from being on the radio was, like, 
$9,000 or something like that. And I realized I was like, holy crap, even though I'm, I have achieved my lifelong dream of being a nationally syndicated public radio host, I I am actually a professional podcaster. Yeah. And it's still the case. I mean, I still make, you know, barely $25,000, $20,000 maybe from being on the radio. And, you know, my whole living is made by the podcast side. That's amazing. It's amazing. Like it's, and, and it's got to be weird for you, too, to just know that you were like at the forefront of that movement now because this mm-hmm. thing's blown up. I mean, there are podcasts everywhere. I think every like most our my cats will have a podcast. Soon. I think you know the I mean? gig is up that it's kind of easy. <laughs> like for a while it was a yeah. secret and now everybody's like, oh. Oh, all you have to do is talk into microphones <laughs> and press record. The got technology it. has gotten so simple now, yeah. especially if they have a garage band on people's laptops and just, you know, you could just get a crappy $20 USB mic plug in and you're, you've got a show theoretically. Yeah. Well, you know? it's it's certainly, I mean, it's certainly interesting to, I think for people like me or you know, uh, or Jimmy or, or like the guys who do a yeah dude or something Mm -hmm. like that. This idea that you read these articles and you think that, you know, Mark Marin invented podcasting two years ago and I'm colleagues with Mark Marin. I produced the public radio version of his show and he's my friend, but it's just sort of this baffling thing that, um, just whenever people, be, whenever someone became aware of podcasting, is when it was invented. As yeah, far as yeah, they're concerned, yeah. and this was the beginning of everything. <laughs> well, it's weird when we got in on it, and this is probably a little over two years ago now. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was a fairly crowded marketplace, but but I feel like if we started up now, like it would be so much harder to find an yeah. audience than it yeah, was two sure. and a half years ago. Um, just because the sure amount of, of content, of so many, and so many great people, like. So many wonderful personalities that I want to listen to. It gets overwhelming because I can't listen to everything. Well, you can. I mean, and a lot of these people that were like podcast guests for a while, like comics and stuff that were just making the rounds, all of a sudden are like, well, why don't I have a podcast? And they started (laughs) one now. And so it just seems like every, it's all kind of folding in onto itself. We did a listener survey for Bullseye recently and we had, you know, a four digit number of responses. And we got a bunch of people said, um, I'm, I'm like, why do you interview so many comedians? I'm so tired of hearing interviews with comedians. (laughs) And I was thinking like, I I was thinking of if I had, you know, somehow sent that comment through a time machine to me in 2001, when we started doing our 2000, when we started doing our show, like one of the reasons that we were doing interviews with comedians was because there were literally no, we'll be like, what are you hearing in the world? You know, (laughs) it was, you know, when Pat and Oz, I remember like one of the highlights of our, sort of college age life mm-hmm. was when I was just out of college and Jordan was a senior in college. Pat Oswalt invited us. He knew that I lived in San Francisco. So he invited us to New Year's Eve dinner with uh, him and, uh, and the folks that he was headlining at this big New Year's Eve comedy show, which was uh, Greg Proops and Dana Gould and wow. their wives. And also uh, Dave Eggers and Venda Levita were there. <gasps> um, and, it, it was amazing. And, and, you know, he said to people, I remember at being at that dinner, like him introducing us, he's like, oh, these guys, they do a radio show and a podcast. And it's like they're really big fans of comedy. Like they really care about comedy and they interview you like, you know, like your, like your work is an art. Mm-hmm. And 
to him at the time, that was not only significant, that was so significant that he would invite two 23-year-olds that he'd never met in real life. Oh, you hadn't met him at that point? We hadn't, no, we had only interviewed him on the phone. Oh, my gosh, wow. And, you know, he, he invited us to New Year's Eve dinner because he was, you know, a kind and thoughtful man. But, so nice. You know, that was special enough that it got his attention so much that he wanted to meet us in real life, you know. And now I feel like you can't, you can't throw a rock without you know, finding a show that's just interviewing comedians. Yeah. Especially since now, like, you know, they're up there forever. You can, you know, if you want to hear PFT on something, just type in. You can give yourself three days and go through the catalog. things. But back then it was like the comics would just do like the morning radio shows or the zoos or whatever. And like, if you happen to be driving somewhere and catch it in the morning, that's where you heard them. Uh, And then that was usually riffing. It wasn't, you know, straight up um, interview stuff. Um, because there wasn't as much time to fill. They were on for 10 minutes. You know, one of the big things that we that I found and we found when we started doing interviews on The Sound of Young America was just what a special thing it was for people who made something funny. And again, you know, lots of people do this now, you know, probably Mark foremost. But, you know, was for someone who made something funny to come on a show and be asked a question other than, so be funny. Right. You know, that there, I remember that's how actually I do a show with John Hodgman called Judge John Hodgman. And that's how I met John. Like when his first book came out, um, I interviewed him on the show and he had just been, I think he had just been, for one thing, he wasn't famous yet, Mm -hmm. but he had just been finding out about the kind of commercial radio interview, which was just sort of like, so you've got jokes, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. And it so impressed him that he actually was the person, he was friends with a program director at WNYC in New York. And that was my first big station. He rec- he said, I was on this show in Santa Cruz. Have you ever listened to it? Oh, wow. And yeah, it, it totally, you know, changed my life. One of many times that Hodgman has changed my life that way. But, you know, it's like I, I at the time it was, it was that we loved public radio. Mm-hmm. We loved sort of the values of public radio, but there were just things that we couldn't get from it that meant something to us. And so we just wanted to make something that was like that. You know, even now, I think Jordan Jesse Go, um, you know, is kind of like, it, it's our idea of what would, what would like a crazy, vulgar morning zoo show be like if it was hosted by people who weren't idiots, <laughs> you know what and I mean? They were yeah. actually listening to their guests and interacting with them yeah, as, like, as opposed to like looking ahead to what they're trying to figure out. Or just out being like, show. we got to use this boy. Yeah, exactly. In. Like there's a, like we just try and be, we're like, yes, well we like, we enjoy humor. Mm-hmm. We enjoy vulgarity. We enjoy all these things. Right. But like, maybe there's a version of that that is also sort of kind hearted and not yeah. stupid. You know, right? There's that scene in Wayne's World too. I don't know if you remember this scene where uh, they go on this radio show to promote Wayne's Doc, and Harry Shearer is like the host of it, and the whole time he's just shuffling papers and doing other stuff, and he's just going, uh-huh. 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 and then it gets to a point where it's like you're not listening to what we're saying are you i could say anything uh-huh mm-hmm. you wouldn't notice and like uh-huh. like there's that kind of disdain for morning radio especially at that time right. like and uh i mean in general like the radio scene is so changed with the advent of podcasts and stuff too mm-hmm. the, the idea of the, like ordering on demand like whenever you want to hear something it's there for you on your little ipod i think is pretty revolutionary it's exciting yeah. Now, if we can just get them into cars in a way that's easy for people, yeah, <laughs> then we'll all be rolling in it. Yeah, there you go. bring it on. There you There's go. There's a lot of cars out there, people. Um, 
Right? <laughs> that's the kind <laughs> of insights I look yeah. insights I look to you yep. for, Vanessa. That's right. Hey, I've got more where that came from, but well, I need a minute to think of it. <laughs> let's do let's do first. Okay, we great. do this every podcast. Yeah. Different first question. Since I know you listen to a lot of hip hop, I tailored this for you. What was the oh, first cool. hip hop or R and B song you can remember being really into? Wow, that's an interesting question. If you include R and B, it would be probably "Beat It" by Michael Jackson. I had bad on tape. Nice. I in, I think I inherited it from my dad's girlfriend's son, uh, who was older than me. I basically my dad. Both of my parents were really broke when I was a kid, and so um, like all of my toys at my dad's house were just hand me downs from this one girlfriend that my dad had seen for like a year, and her son was like five or six years older than me. So I had I was born in 1981, but I. Like all my toys were like Star Wars toys <laughs> because they were like six years out of date, you know. Um, and yeah, I got. I think I got. I think I got that bad tape from him. Um, and I just loved Michael Jackson more than anything. I actually had a Michael Jackson doll that I inherited <gasps> from him. Oh, oh lucky! Um, yeah. What and did you, know, you do with it? I. Admire it? Yeah, it, it, you know, it went away in a toy purge at some Aww. point, but I loved it at the time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it had two different leather jackets that you <gasps> put on it. Nice. Um, yeah, it was, it was, I, I remember being affected by Beat It, just being so into it. And we didn't have cable or anything, so I didn't have the video. But I did used to watch, I think on, on Channel 20, KOFY TV 20 in, in San Francisco, I, uh, I would watch Soul Train which came on weekend mornings, I think. I think that's how I came to watch it. Um, and I loved Soul Train. Oh, you know what? Even before Michael Jackson, uh, my favorite song when I was like in preschool was Jump For My Love by the Pointer Sisters. Oh. <laughs> nice. yeah, which is still, I still like that. And also The Freaks Come Out at Night by Houdini, which is very inappropriate for children. <laughs> I don't know how that came to be like my favorite song, but it was. Was it encouraged? Uh, my parents were my parents were very encouraged. I mean, I my music taste I think uh, largely grew out of my parents' music taste. Like yeah. my mom, you know, my mom when she lived in Washington D.C. Like one of the great tra- tragedies of her life was when she grew up in in D.C. and she had uh, like a twenty thousand record jazz collection that got destroyed in a flood, <gasps> um, and so she like basically never bought an album again. Oh man! But yeah, I mean, the, my parents divorced when I was like three, mm-hmm. and the things that they agreed on is a very short list. <laughs> it's a thousand clowns. They both loved me very much. They're both <laughs> good parents. Number one. Uh, but at the movie, a thousand clowns, um, which I know Cole, you're a big fan of. Love it, love it, love it. Um, and James Brown, basically. Maybe Ray Charles also. Um, you know, my dad is the kind of guy, kid that, you know, he grew, he was born in the early 40s and grew up listening to... He told me that his parents didn't like him listening to race music. And so he would listen to... He had this secret stash of Ray Charles 45s that he would listen to downstairs in the basement uh, by put it, by playing the record but not turning on the speakers so he would put his ear down to the needle because you know because you can yeah. hear out of the needle oh um, man yeah and you know my mom my mom grew up in this or had her young adulthood in this sort of jazz scene in in washington dc where she was i don't know she like her she was like neighbors with gil scott heron and stuff you know oh, wow. so um that was sort of the music that i grew up listening to and at that 
pretty much feeds directly into my parents were a little on the older side so they didn't listen to a lot of contemporary pop music but it's pretty much you know 1984's version of that is yeah. Jump for My Love by the Pointer Sisters <laughs> nice. and 1986's version is you know Michael Jackson's Bad and you know awesome and we mentioned A Thousand Clowns which before I get your answer Vanessa just yeah. if, if listeners haven't seen this movie it's finally available on dvd uh, it's on demand through mgm um, for the longest time it was just on vhs and those were out of print and it was hard to get it's this amazing film based on the play by herb gardner with jason robards um it's just a delightful awesome little film so i suggest you find it and watch the hell out of it yeah we, we actually that. did we did a special sound of young america thing where we um we did a screening of the movie uh, here in Los Angeles, and I did an interview with Barry Gordon, who's the other lead in the film. The, right. the he the, plays uh, Nick, Nick, the sort of the nephew slash child character. And um, Barry Gordon actually went on to, among other things, be the president of SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, yep. and one of the voices of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm. Um, among, Naturally, among natural many profession. among many other things. Oh, he's also the kid. He also sang on the record. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. <gasps> yep. Um, I actually went to high school with his son Colin. Whoa! From that, so and it's a beautiful. I mean, it's a the a thousand clowns is the is basically a movie about um, how painful and important it is to grow up. And you know, I think it's in some ways it anticipates. Although I'd say to some extent the emotional parts are a little more effective for me. The kind of themes of the Judd Apatow oeuvre, mm. in that essentially what it's about is. That it, which I think is very resonant for comedy people is wanting to live in a fantasy world of your own creation, wanting to live in this delightful world because you're so creative, so so funny, you know, so fun, whatever, and figuring out how to reconcile that with the things that are actually important in life. And I don't know, it for me it makes me cry every time because you struggle so hard with that with that conflict um, because he's very solipsistic, you know, mm. he's the Jason Robart's character is a, is a basically a comedy writer who won't get a job because the jobs that he has available to him are below him. And they probably are below him. Like he's a pretty brilliant, charming, amazing guy. Um, but they're going to take his nephew away if he doesn't get a job. And so it's about him sort of struggling to become an adult human being. And it's a very, very powerful movie, but also, as you said, you know, super fun and funny. It's great. And the relationship he has with Nick is fantastic, too. I mean, like, it's really like Nick is the adult in the relationship out of the two of them in a lot of ways. Um, the kid's, like, incredibly precocious and smart and funny. And I don't know. It's just great. Seek it out. Um, it's definitely worthwhile. Vanessa, what was your first <laughs> R&B record? Oh, okay. Um, I grew up with not listening to any pop radio or anything like that. Like, that wasn't allowed in our house. So all oldies all the time. And classical and stuff like that. But then one day I heard, it was like, I mean, I think there are R&B memories before this, but my first like rap song that I was like, oh, I could really enjoy this was Ain't No Fun, Snoop Dogg. And it was like the first song I remember, like, I want to memorize this inside out. I want to sing along with it. It makes me feel so happy and so like silly. And it just got me into a whole lot of music, but I'll never forget like hearing that for the first time. And the rhymes are really, were you doing, were you into gangbangs at the time? I was really into gangbangs, but I hadn't quite got <laughs> right. like, I wasn't accepted in the culture yet. Right. You right. know, so I could relate, uh, right. but I wasn't one of them. Right. But then I think it really did open the doors for me. 
And I still, whenever that song comes on, get a little misty yet. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, I definitely listened to like Thriller a ton when I was yeah. a kid, but I'm going to go for the, the hip hop side of the question too. Mm-hmm. Um, in junior high, I was really into rap for a long time until like basically until Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana came out and then it was like, what's this other stuff? <laughs> and then I kind of switched over, but I still kind of have a soft spot for it. I listened to a lot of Public Enemy when I was in junior high school. Whoa. So I think uh, that album Fear of a Black Planet with Welcome to the Terror Dome was like mm-hmm. the first song. I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> I don't think I understood the political agenda really of right. of Chuck D and everything but it's that was going powerful. on. But, I mean but it's, it's aesthetically yeah. power. It, it still is. It's really amazing music. And I remember hearing that and being like, well, this is really cool. And then from there, like I definitely was into like LL Cool J and, and Digital Underground and things yeah. like that for a while. But yeah. it's funny that you mentioned when when Smells Like Teen Spirit came out because I actually remember that very vividly as well. And the context for me was I grew up I grew up in the Mission in San Francisco and I went in middle school I went to this super fancy private school in Hillsboro which is very ritzy suburb of San Francisco that I had to like take I had to take the BART train the subway all the way to the end of the line and there was like a shuttle bus that picked us up there and drove us down there and I was like the city scholarship kid there like my parents were super poor and um I remember I remember when that song came out and I remember it changing everyone's life. And I remember when Kurt Cobain killed himself, everyone just being totally destroyed. And I was like, oh, I like Tony, Tony, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, it's like, I loved all that stuff too. But then like, that was a crossover song that they played on the rap and R&B stations (laughs) I listened to. Like, you know, you would literally be like, you know, Tony, Tony, Tony. Also, they're still playing. Then all of a sudden, Smells Like Teen Spirit would come on to this and you'd be like, what is this doing on this channel? And it was like that crazy of a song at the time and mind-blowing and it's weird because now it's like i listen to that album and I'm like i like it fine but it doesn't do the thing that it did for me in junior high school when i first heard it where it was boners like, yeah music <laughs> boners the al- the record that i felt that way about was the second diggable planets album blowout comb which is was dramatically less successful than their first album but i would argue probably artistically significantly more successful and i think that um I liked, I was really into like funk when I was in, and soul music when I was, you know, 12 or 13. And I liked G funk for that reason. Mm -hmm. It was based in that, but I found it distasteful. (laughs) And, um, and I took, you know, I wasn't until I was like 15 or 16 that I learned to to like, to take it with a grain of salt. And, um, that blowout, blowout comb, that record, I actually did an outshot, which is our sort of closing recommendation on it on bullseye. It, it was absolutely an album that changed. I would just listen to it over and over and over. And still today, I would listen to it over and over and over. It's not, um, nobody in Diggable Plans is a totally amazing rapper, um, but it is like a coherent aesthetic experience that just is perfect as far as I'm concerned. Is there albums like that that you definitely like, gravitate towards? Like, I, for some reason, I was obsessed with Extreme Three Sides to Every Story, like their third album. That was like a concept record, and Extreme Two Pornography was like their big album that had Wholehearted and uh, More Than Words on it. That's when they blew up. But then, like the third album, for some reason, this concept <laughs> album like really resonated with me. And like, and there's a couple people I know of friends who also like were so obsessed with that album now. And you listen to it now, and you're like, I don't know if this really works. But at the time, I Chamba mean, Wamba I, for me. I will say that <laughs> I will say that somewhat more embarrassingly, I did also. Really really like Arrested Development's second album, Zingalo Maduna. <laughs> Maybe it was like the first Arrested Development and the Arrested Development MTV Unplugged album, but I never got that other one. 
Uh, I had some questions here about uh, some tagline stuff. I'm going to save it for another podcast. We've uh, we've got a lot more to talk about. So let's uh, let's just do Vanessa's question. Oh, this is God. the first one. Oh, Have you God. ever noticed that your initials are the same as Justin Timberlake? You know, there was a period when people called him JT. Yeah. yeah. What you know you what I was just that? thinking about Justin Timberlake? I was in <laughs> a hamburger restaurant. And they played two songs from Justin Timberlake's breakthrough album, which I don't remember the name of right now. But crazy Sexy Cool. Yeah. Let's see. Crazy Sexy Cool. Yes. <laughs> Future Love Sounds? Future Love Sounds. I think that's what it is. Um, and they played Cry Me a River, and they played one of the Neptune songs. I can't remember which one. And I was thinking, like, I remember when those records came out, and I thought to myself... I'm not a huge Justin Timberlake fan, but this guy made a pop album right. He got the yep. most. He got the genuinely brilliant producers, not like Uncle Luke or whatever that guy is called, but producers who were making like genre pushing at the time. Yep. you know, innovative, brilliant pop music. The Neptunes and Timberland, and he can sing and he can dance, and he wrote some pretty solid songs. And I was thinking, this is so great. And I was thinking how much he has ruined that. By allowing people to convince him that he's funny, yeah. Over the past Isn't ten that years, the worst part. <laughs> like, Just keep yeah. turning out pop and dancing. Oh God! It, it you know what it's king. like. Every time I see Justin Timberlake trying to be funny, like on Saturday Night Live, on it's like watching a sketch at a summer camp and the cool kid is up there in the cool kid. Yeah. There's just like some, like there's these points that people are willing to give him for being yeah. game. Yeah, exactly. But oh. it's like, no, he gets plenty of credit for this. Yeah. We no longer have to give him credit for being wow, way game. To go. We can get, how about let's, let's leave that for act as for athletes. <laughs> like if Michael Jordan is willing to be game, then I'm That's willing impressive. to give him because he's not a performer. He's an athlete. That you built your career around. Maybe it. for like one thing, I'm willing to let Justin Timberlake be game, and we give him credit for that. But by the Not time everybody. he's in the love living. guru, I'm just fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> what happened That's been is some time now. <laughs> recently, I recently for some reason, and I try, I've been trying to put this piece this together in my mind. I saw the trailer for the love guru. Oh, I think I wondered what was the trailer for the love guru like oh, because I've never seen the love guru. That, no. And I saw it, and I thought it just reminded me of how not funny Justin Timberlake is, and how annoying it is to me every time that people say, "You know who's actually pretty funny? Justin Timberlake." You wouldn't Whoa. think it because he's more better known for singing and dancing. I'm well aware he wants to be funny. That quote, that always quote pops into my head from. Uh, you think you can do that on television or whatever it is, that show, where uh, in that sketch he would always go, ah, don't encourage your mother. It just reminds me of that, the whole, like, we're encouraging him to get up there and be a shake, a shake town, and it's so funny every time. He really is funny in the way that a 12-year-old is funny. You're like, look a at that 12-year-old. cheeky little guy. He can kind of do, look, he's doing voices. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not that he's good at them. It's just funny that, that he can do them. them yeah. That he can do a voice. <laughs> it's funny because you're like, an, oh, that's an 11-year-old at the school talent show. He's, he's up doing, there with a 13-year-old. He's doing the church lady. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it's so cringy. By the way, Dana Carvey's a little bit like that now, too. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the church lady. Oh, Here's my next question. Have you ever yeah. met an Olsen twin? No, but I have no. been proximate to <gasps> an Olsen twin. Oh, these are the best ones. I Okay, so I, I, I hate to drop the name again, but I'm friends with John Hodgman. What? And back when Hodgman was a very, very inconsequential name, you know, the supporting player on the HBO show that got canceled. Yes. Um, but Hodgman, when he was doing the uh, Mac PC commercials, mm-hmm. they would shoot them in Los Angeles 
And after they became a success, he could sort of dictate his terms because it was such a huge deal. So he would say, okay, but I want you to fly me out first class and I want to stay at the Chateau Marmont. So this became Hodgman's thing that he always stays at the yeah. Chateau Marmont because Hodgman, Hodgman really, what I like, one of the things that I like about Hodgman is his modest level of fame was gained after he had toiled on completely non-fame related things for many years. Like right. Hodgman for many years was just a magazine writer. Yeah. You know, he became a, uh, an editor at the New York Times magazine, but like for a long time he was the food columnist for Men's Journal, mm-hmm. you know? And so Hodgman really, and he, Hodgman also has a great sense of eccentricity. He yeah. enjoys it and a sort of sense of pomp and circumstance. So he's really equipped to enjoy the benefits <laughs> yeah. that he gets oh, yeah. from. When he, when he did our podcast, we did it at the Marmont. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. And, we were, and his suite, and it was just like, he was like, I, I practically live here. Like, yeah, like, like he'll, oh, he'll, call me, he'll call me and he'll be like, I'm at the Chateau Marmont. <laughs> you know, Je- <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is playing and singing on the piano. <laughs> and I'll be like, yes, I'm coming over. <laughs> and um, one time I was having dinner. I think it might have been the first time I had dinner with Hodgman at the Chateau Mar- Mar- Marmont. It was me and Hodgman and my wife and our friend Josh Beerman. And we were sitting there at this table and we looked over and we we're like, oh, that's an Olsen twin, <gasps> a real life Olsen oh. twin. And I had, um, I have lived in Los Angeles for kind of a long yeah. time, but I don't really recognize celebrities yeah. very well. In fact, I would say that I'm very poor at recognizing <laughs> celebrities. Like really the only celebrity that I would recognize is like a celebrity that I've – like one time I met uh, E from the Eels – or from Eels, excuse me, at Trader Joe's. But it was only because he'd been on my show one time. So I was like, oh, hey, Mark. <laughs> you know? But basically, I'm incapable of recognizing celebrities. But that I re- that's the oh, that's basically I think that might be the only celebrity I've ever recognized in Los oh. Angeles. Was she just lurking? She was. She you know she was doing you know whatever. She was eating caviar and doing speedballs. Oh, yeah, you know? that's my girl. We, uh, we saw uh, yesterday at Disneyland. We saw Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield. Oh, oh wow! I went to a Regina Spector just walking around um, KCRW concert last week because a great friend won tickets to the little little recording, and Andrew Garfield was there, and it was like a room full of fifty people. And I just looked over and I was like, hey, "Spider Man, sir, new Spider Man." <laughs> it was a very weird feeling because I'm usually bad at excuse me, sir. Are you a Spider Man? <laughs> I uh, Spider Man. Like, uh, one time I went and saw, I saw Radiohead at the Greek, I think. Yeah. And we had like eight, ninth row tickets or something. And behind us were Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire. And I was like, we got better tickets than Spider-Man. <laughs> I, feel like my, I feel like my version of this would be like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I went to see DJ Quick and Sugar Free was in the audience <laughs> with, a, with a great finger wave. <laughs> nice. Unfortunately, Maybe he did it himself. <laughs> unfortunately, I don't like the right bands to see celebrities, the oh. right celebrities at well, the some- concerts. No, that's not important. Yeah. That's just not important. Okay. If Cheers characters were to take on the Avengers, who would play who? Oh, my God. I was just watching Cheers last night. Perfect. I've been, I've my, I'm obsessed with Cheers. <laughs> is it I, a new Cheers obsession? Cheers is so amazing. <laughs> it's not that new. I mean, I watched it as a kid with yeah, my dad, too. but um, I re, when it came on Netflix Instant, I like maybe oh. nine months ago, I was like, you know what? I'll watch Cheers because I needed something that wouldn't upset me because I'm very easily upset mm-hmm. by television programs and movies. And so sometimes when I'm tired, but I have very high standards also, <laughs> and most things that are not, that are specifically not upsetting 
also are lousy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, you know, it's Here like comes this boo-boo. kind of CBS That's sitcoms upsetting. with, you know, oh. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. And, but Cheers, I watched Cheers and I was like, this show is almost perfect. Like, this show is amazing. Like, every single person on the show is great. Yep. Every, there's like perfectly constructed, like, it moves by as though it is not the most difficult thing in the world to have a thousand jokes in a show and have none of them feel out of place. And have one location. And only yep. have, like, it is so effortless yep. that you forget that, like, they really do have a joke every seven seconds, and all of them feel appropriate. None of them feel like, oh, this character's acting too smart. Like, right. no one would ever think of that in the moment, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, anyway. They couldn't quite capture that on the Tortellis. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I just watched last night. The episode I watched last night was a Carla episode. Yeah. It was an episode where Carla becomes a grandmother, and so it was set mostly at her house. And uh, Rhea Perlman is her name, right? Yep. She was so great in it. I was like, man, I just want to be Carla. Like, Carla, she has a spectacularly sad life. Yeah. Let's be clear. Yeah. But she's so great. She's so real and so down to earth. Yeah. And still sassy. Yeah. And I also also love Coach a lot. Oh, me too. I basically, a dumb, a sweet, dumb character is my favorite the key to your comic eye. trope. Coach is great. And then later Woody came on. Yeah. yeah. Woody's also great. They're and both good. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the amazing, that's another amazing thing about Cheers is, you know, when Kirstie Alley comes on the show, you're like, well, this show's going to be ruined. They just lost, lost their best character. Right. You know, their central character. And Kirstie Alley is fantastic on right. Cheers. She's hilarious on Cheers. You know, and, and the same thing with Woody. You know, Woody is hilarious. Like, how could you replace Coach? But Woody is yep. great, spectacular. Um, okay, so the question was Avengers character. Yeah. You guys are going to get involved in this too, right? We well, I won't be good at this. So wh- what do we got? we got? We got the Black Widow. We got the Black Widow. Okay. Got Iron Man, the Hulk, Thor, Captain America. Um, right. So the Hulk goes ape. Who goes ape on Cheers? Cheers That's is such a genius. Oh, you know who does uh, Kelsey Grammer? Oh, for, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Frazier is the Hulk, definitely. Um, didn't he oh, play yeah. the thing or something in, in oh, one of those? He played Beast. Yeah. He played Beast, yeah. So you can see. But he does, like, once in a while, he'll lose his, he'll lose his And he's the other times very collected and, yeah, yeah. creepy. Perfect Often. choice. Very well dressed, by the way. I, kinda, mm. I like his outfits. <laughs> show. I'm, I'm a man for a knit tie and a cardigan. Oh, bring it on. Um, thanks, I will. Your husband's here, but. Oh, shh, John. Um, <laughs> uh, wh- what else have we got? We got Captain America. Carla should be oh Carl maybe Carla should be the Hulk. She does lose it, but she's never that put together. Yeah, she's never she doesn't have that. Yeah, she's a okay. Loose so Frazier's definitely the Hulk. Who's right. Harry Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> We're focusing on the central <laughs> characters here, right? <laughs> are any of the Avengers really dumb? I don't think any of the Avengers are that dumb. I think Thor's Captain kind of America's dumb. kind of doofusy. Thor. Thor's not terribly smart. He's Captain America puts on Captain America is Woody. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. That's got to be. Yeah, that's definitely Dullable, true. idealistic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ted Danson is so good on he's, Cheers. He's, he's Fury. Amazing. He's Nick Fury. Yeah. yeah. Maybe because he kind of runs the team. Are right? you just saying that because he's black? Yeah. <laughs> right. He's so black. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go with that. I'll buy that for a dollar. All right. Who in the Avengers is fat? The Hulk. <laughs> Maybe Norm. Plays. Okay, wait. No, let me change that. <laughs> 
on the Avengers is everyone happy to see? <laughs> Captain America again. Maybe Agent Coulson. Who's that? He, that's Clark Gregg's character oh. that doesn't. What about Hawkeye? Hawkeye. Well, I don't oh, know how man. to do this question. It, might, it felt like a good question. This is a really it's difficult hard. question because they going... don't match up very yeah, well. Yeah. It turns okay, out sorry, the Avengers is a popular comic book series and Cheers is a sitcom <laughs> from the 80s. Wow, my mind is blown. <laughs> the incongruities are difficult to reconcile. But Citizen King is a great movie. That is. I really it's recommend It's a really it. remarkable movie. Okay, here's a question called Day in the Life. Okay. What movie animal... It's not an after name question. I forgot. That's what exactly I, yeah. where I expected this question to go. I wrote what that beginning animal? before I wrote the end. and it, So let's forget it's called A Day in Life. Or let's just go with it. No, um, it's in caps on the paper, so it's got to be yeah, called A Day in Life. It's in capital letters. It's in the middle of one thought. This question's called The Day the Music Died. <laughs> what movie animal? <laughs> what movie animal would make the best life partner for Babe the Pig? Oh, and you can man. decide on sexuality. It can be a cartoon or a real animal. Oh, man. Well, I mean, the thing Babe is... is great. I mean, we learned a lot uh, from Babe, Pig, in the City yeah, about the power of friendship. One of the scariest yep. movies I've ever seen in my life. Babe, it's Pig, in the City is such a great movie. I, Babe is also a really <laughs> Babe great movie. Babe is great. But there's a lot of people out Babe. there... There's a lot of people out there who haven't seen Babe, Pig, in the City because it's different from Babe, which it is. And the title, I think, does put... It's yeah. really dark, too. It's, it's, it's dark and intense, but it's, it's like the Marley kind of dark and intense that is inspirational because it's about how... If you'll permit me to become maudlin for a moment, it's about how the power of friendship can overcome those obstacles and that if you're true of heart, you can pass through a really dark situation successfully, which I think is what all of the best children's uh, entertainment is about. It's about teaching, teaching someone that there are incredible obstacles in life, but that those obstacles can be overcome if you behave in a moral manner. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I think Babe Pig That's the, the most City beautiful way to describe Babe Pig Sidebar, though. I went and saw... Jenny and I used to always go and see two movies in a day when things would open sometimes, right? We saw Very Bad Things open the same day as Babe <laughs> 2 Pig and City. Very Bad Things is a really dark comedy with uh, you know, Christian Slater and um, Cameron Diaz and Daniel Stern. It's just really dark and crazy things happen in it. We were more disturbed by Babe 2 Pig in the City <laughs> than Very Bad Things. I think because we weren't expecting right. Babe 2 to be as dark as it was. Like, it was really good, but at the time I was like, oh my God, yeah, he works in clown makeup. Things just burned down. <laughs> what is going on? When I tell people that I love Babe Pig in the City, like, either they've seen Babe Pig in the City or they think that I'm joking. Um, I Like, a lot of people have laughed at me as though I was making a joke when I told them how much I love Babe Pig in the City. But if you know what it is... Yeah. I mean, you know, I think people even say, you know, it's not appropriate for kids. Um, I think if you're prepared for it, it is appropriate for kids. I mean, my... It's more appropriate for kids than a lot of... Yeah, I mean, my my youngest brother watched Babe Pig in the City when he was six or so, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably on the youngish side of normal for whether it's appropriate for them. And I remember, you know, it was his favorite movie when he was a kid. He used to run around the house when he was six. Yelling, pig in the city, pig in the city, pig in the city. <laughs> I still do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, I mean, I think that the duck is probably, the duck from Babe Pig in the City oh, is probably the together. best. Because that is romantic. Right, because, because the yep. duck is such a dipshit. <laughs> but he's so, he learns about, about being honest and true and a good friend through the course of the film. 
Oh. And I would hate to t- I would hate to tear them apart. I love that answer. Good answer. Oh, this is the last question, and it won't be as nostalgic as that one was for me. You've angered a wizard. Trip to the moon. <laughs> it's called Moon Scholars. Wait, did you say I've I've angered a lizard? A wizard. What actually. have I done to anger this lizard? <laughs> you stepped down his tail and he turned into a wizard. Uh-huh. And you have to choose from one of these two punishments. Okay. You must start all conversations with anyone with "Oh my sweet baby" and then spit into your palm. <laughs> or, or you have <laughs> like, like we're going to become spit brothers? You don't have to do anything with or it. But spit they have lovers? <laughs> spit lovers. Probably the next level after you call them oh my sweet baby. <laughs> and it's everyone. The, traditionally one becomes spit lovers through French kissing. but <laughs> And that's, yeah, and that's everybody. Approach. So it'd be like oh my sweet baby. Uh, I'll take a number two large yeah. size. Yeah. Like it, no matter who oh, it is. Oh my right. sweet baby. Or you have jam pants. And wherever you've sat you leave a trail of jam and your trousers <laughs> oh. are always jam. <laughs> not like jams with a Z. Not like cool jam pants. Gotcha. Like I, immediately, I pictured those kind of pants that, like, uh, like a football quarter, like a football quarterback who was injured would wear on the sidelines. <laughs> like with the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like in the team colors yep. with the animal stripes. <laughs> you um, don't get those. Well, like you could have Jeff those. But would they wear do those, have maybe. <laughs> they do have preserves on the pants if you pick those. Okay, you can so pick any kind of pants. Any though. kind of pants, but they have preserve. They yeah. have a preserved fruit on them. Yeah, and they, you'll still leave it where you sit. Oh man, it's hard. That's tough. I, I know mean, you like pants, and I know you I like know, talking that's to people. The thing. You, mm-hmm. you know, I'm into pants, right? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Uh, the pr- in practical considerations are. At the end of the day, while I have done television mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I, I continue to do web video, um, my real job is in audio and mm-hmm. it would be pretty tough to do an interview <laughs> starting every question. What is it? Oh, hey, my sweet baby. Oh, my sweet baby. And then <laughs> spitting in my hand. Even if I was off mic when I spat in my hand, I could potentially get one of those cough buttons. <laughs> You know what I mean? Just cover it up. But I think what I would do is just do the jam pants. Go for jam pants. And, you know, just get a tarpaulin, you know, <laughs> or a few. You know, just have Jesse places in the house where I can sit down. This I'd is stand a Jesse on the, place. I'd stand on the bus. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think you made the right choice. And my dogs would love it. Oh, yeah. They'd be over they the moon They might get some belly it. aches. Yeah. Little guys. Oh, poor little girls. Oh, you got girls? Yeah, they're girls. Yeah. I have two little girls, too. Oh, they're locked in the bedroom. That's nice. Um, okay, great answers. Yeah, good job. <laughs> well, we did it. We, we did it. We made it all it. the way through. Coo, Thanks coo, coo. for being here, Jesse. Oh, thank you very much for coming on You're my program. You're a charm. Uh, yeah, it's check great to be on your show. Of your <laughs> coming on my program. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much for inviting me onto your program. Either uh, way. Thank you guys both for coming on my program. You've yes. both been on Jordan Jesse Go. Thank you very much. It's so a lot fun. of fun. Yeah. Uh, people should check out Jordan Jesse Go as well yes. as Bullseye uh, International Waters, which is a comedy quiz show. There you go. Um, they can go to MaximumFun.org. It's kind of a to central hub all for the great stuff. all your amazing stuff. Yeah, uh, if you want to talk about pants, you can go to Put This On. Oh, great. <laughs> PutThisOn.com. Uh, also, uh, you're on Twitter, correct? Yeah, at Jesse Thorne. J-E-S-S-E-T-H-O-R-N. That's right. Surprised me someone into social media would be on Twitter. Also, you can follow us on there. I'm at Cole Stratton. I'm at Vanessa Ragland. The podcast is at PMC Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening.